This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast or leave us all the stars in the iTunes reviews. Yay. Uh, hello. Hi, Hammond. How are you doing, I'm my friend? I'm excellent. Good. Um, That's I, weird that you're excellent because it's been a significantly shitty week. <laughs> I, so If it makes you feel better, I'll, I'll get pessimistic. Your yeah. get pessimistic? I'm sure it'll come. Unlike your norm. I was uh, I was chatting with him as I was doing research, and this um, this thing that's happening with immigration, which we'll definitely we'll talk, talk about, about, is really like it's really overshadowing like the normal absurdity of the religious right. Like yeah. everybody's really laser focused, which they should be. Like there are general stories that I'm like, oh look, that's religious religion gone wrong. And then but you it realize just pales in oh, comparison to, to systematic torture of children, basically, cool. from the government. Cool, cool, cool. Right. Okay. Um before we start, let me really briefly just mention because it's Pride Month. Oh uh Queer Disbelief, the book I helped edit that one of my writers, uh Camille Berejik wrote, we, it's on sale for the rest of the month uh, for Pride Month. So if you haven't bought it yet, please go to Amazon, give it a buy. Queer Disbelief is the book. It's all about the intersection of religion and LGBTQ rights and everything in between, all the good, all the bad. Uh, thanks. All right, let's, let's talk about this immigration thing. Oof, a doofa, um, it's rough. It is rough. So the, the short of uh, the issue here is that basically the U.S. government has basically separated, I think they said, what, 2,000 mm-hmm. as of today uh, in six weeks. Mm-hmm. 2,000 kids away from their parents in an effort to deter immigrants from crossing the border mm-hmm. illegally. And they think, okay, you broke the law, so we're just going to separate your family and screw the kids. Give them trauma. What's that going to do to them? Yeah, so there, there's a couple things, like before we even get to the religious element of yeah. this, which is disturbing to say the least. Um from my understanding, and I could be wrong, my understanding is most of these people who came across are asylum seekers. So it's not like they are, like, coyotes sneaking truckloads. Of, like, these are people who come and present themselves and say, I am seeking asylum because of whatever, whether that's poverty, whether that's natural disasters, whether that's violence in their in their own country. Um, so I feel like the thing I keep seeing, which is disheartening to say the least, is, well, they did something wrong, so they're going to pay, which... Yikes, A, I would say, like, I don't, I guess... Even if you wanted to say they broke the law so they deserve to be punished, how is that the punishment you're okay with? I think that's the thing I'm... And I feel like this is really reflective in something we've talked about a lot of, like, this sort of black and white of you're right or you're wrong. So, like, if you did something wrong, you're a bad person, you deserve bad things to happen to you. Instead of looking at the shades of gray, which are these people were... Even even granting you the premise that they did something illegal, which my understanding is they did not. Some of them did not. Some of them uh, you could say they, they crossed illegally, right. so something needs to be done. But the way they're going about it is just ridiculously cruel. Yes. And I just, like, you really have to think about what you're advocating here. It's It's really, it's disgusting and it's getting... Alarming. Not that everything hasn't been alarming in the last <laughs> year or so, but it's getting s- scarier. Um, and also, even if <sighs> just the idea that people are okay with this on principle, I I feel like I spend a lot of my time online trying to find the root of like what's making people have these terrible opinions because I just something in me can't say 
they're just evil or they're just racist or they really are that, that uncaring. But I think that might be it. Yeah. They they just don't care. It's it's appalling. And it's, it's a whole party thing that they just don't care. They want to deflect blame. Um, even though if Republicans wanted to put a stop to this, they have the power to do that. If Trump wanted to stop this, he has the power well, to do that. Well, and the fact that he's trying to deflect not this onto de- Democrats right. is horrifying. <laughs> like, I just, okay, anyway. Yeah. We, I, I actually want to say, yeah, people who please. say that, oh, this started under Obama, what, what was happening under the Obama administration is kids who were crossing the border alone, so teenagers usually, and then that was, obviously, they were trying to do something with those kids. So when they say there have been kids held, quote-unquote, it's, it's, there's a difference between that and... A Ripping a child away while he's being breastfed by right. his mother. Exactly. Um, so Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, was trying to defend this in a speech he gave the other day. And the weirdest thing about that, besides everything, is what he said is to the people who criticize him for what he calls following the law and being tough... He said, I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained them for the purpose of order. In that, in that Bible verse, it basically says God gave the government power. You should obey the government, essentially. There's a couple yeah, big okay. problems with that. What is the worst part? Is it that he believes that because it says this thing in the Bible, that's why they're justified? Or is it the fact that you can cherry pick basically anything from the yeah. Bible and it will be true? So, yeah, it's it's both of them because you could cite any book you want to justify, you know, cruelty. And it's so it, the fact that they chose the Bible, like, why are we basing anything we do off the Bible? Don't well, if you don't have heaven. if you don't have a good argument for what you're doing don't say, well, my religious book says this, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's that in itself is a problem. Mm-hmm. It would have been, I think, more obvious to people if he had read from the Quran and said, this is where we're getting this from. Then right. they'd be like, how dare you? But like because of the Bible, they don't that care. That particular passage used to be quoted to justify slavery. Is that some well, garbage I read be. online? It could be. And when um, I don't remember the specifics, but easily, I'm sure I would not be surprised if when you know Christians were justifying slavery too, they said it's a government policy. The Bible says this. Mm-hmm. In theory, this is not a comparison, though we can talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, you could make the argument that, well, the government put Hitler in charge, therefore you should listen. Like you would, I think everyone would understand. No, that that doesn't mean you listen to the government. Sometimes right. governments are corrupt; they are bad. You don't, you shouldn't listen to them. Also, didn't the government kill Jesus, or did I misunderstand <laughs> that particular that part is a of fair the Bible argument too? And so, the fact that they chose not just a Bible verse, which is problematic, but that one, because. Later on in Romans 13, it says something very different. It's it's basically saying, you know, welcome the outsiders, welcome people. You can make the argument by cherry picking other Bible verses that Jesus wants you to take in refugees and help the suffering mm-hmm. and and do what you can for the least of these. You could cite the Bible to do whatever you want it to do. The fact that they chose like the worst possible mm-hmm. verse to justify their policy tells you a lot about their understanding of the Bible. And, and the fact that they use the Bible. And by the way, it wasn't just Jeff Sessions doing it. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders later on, even when she was asked, where does it say in the Bible that it's moral to take children away from their mothers? 
She responded, I can say that it's very biblical to enforce the law. That's actually repeated a number of times throughout the Bible. Did you see the video clip of the reporter like yelling at her? Like, you have kids. How are you? And she... She didn't answer that question. No, she didn't. And people got mad at him for yelling at her, even though... I I don't get why the press court... The next question should be, answer that guy's question. Uh, Because I would like to know that, too. Yeah, why did they let her move on? Yeah. Um, So a couple weeks ago, I was going to talk about this, and then I just sort of scrapped it. And by the way, separating separating children from their parents, Uh that's not U.S. law. That's just like Donald Trump Republican dickishness. That is not the law we're defending here. If we read that this was happening in the Middle East, it would be a humanitarian crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I brought this and I didn't, um, I just scrapped it. But somebody wrote a kind of cool article about um, <laughs> about 10, I think it is, uh, verses that say why we should help um, immigrants. Yeah. And she literally just, like, she broke it down by kind of a summary point and then literally put the verse. So it's yeah. leave food for the poor and the foreigner. God loves the foreigner residing among you. The sin of the sin of the Sodom, a uh, sin of Sodom is that they did not help the poor and needy. Don't oppress a foreigner. Uh, don't deprive foreigners among you of justice. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you. Leave your door open to the traveler and love, you, love your neighbor as yourself, which I thought was a big one, but I guess my biblical and, scholarship is not strong. And by the way, just to be clear, there are so many religious organizations that oppose what the Trump administration is doing. There's yeah. no shortage of them. Actually. Yeah. Speaking of which, Franklin Graham came out against it. Yeah. Did you hear about that? He did. He said it was devastating to see immigrant families ripped apart at the border. And, like, when Franklin Graham... Yeah. ...like, says something sensible... Right. ...you kind of perk up, because, like, that never... It's like Pat Robertson saying, "Eh, marijuana should be decriminalized, which he has said. Yeah. And you're like, wait, did you just say something sensible? Mm, Stop clocking all that. Yes, exactly. But... It's just... Franklin Graham! Yeah. It's disgraceful, and it's terrible to see families ripped apart, and I don't support that one bit so credit where credit's due so again who is this policy who's in favor of this policy it racist seems- people on facebook according to my feed <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean I, I i think it's really interesting that they that they're like oh it's a deterrent but i don't i i feel like immigration laws change pretty frequently and it's not like people who are fleeing oppressive nations are like oh i'm gonna go what are they gonna do go leave their tweet. kids at home or something yeah, like that's when the they're... other thing is like if somebody is risking this much to get to the united states what are they leaving behind right and it's just i don't know it, it i it kind of rings similar to me with i what i see a lot is these are asylum seekers these are people leaving dangerous situations and a lot of people are like well i heard a lot of people are faking that and to me that rings really true of like in the me too movement and all that of like well women are coming forward and telling their stories yeah, like a lot of people the, are, i i heard a lot of people are faking it do you believe so. the victims or what right. i i don't know the details of this but i heard a story that when uh, all those immigrants maybe from syria were trying to relocate to Germany, uh, people mm-hmm. uh, wherever they were from, but it was like a million people that were trying to relocate. And Angela Merkel, they basically she was saying yes, let them in, and she got a lot of pushback from her own people. And her response is like, "Well, where are they going to go? Like, we are a country that lets these people in because that's the right thing to do." Yeah. I'm paraphrasing here, but like, 
yeah, that attitude is nowhere to be found right now because Republicans. So. Wait, and I think what's really horrifying <laughs> about about all this, Hemant, please, mm-hmm. you're drunk already, those mm-hmm. two sips. Um, I think what's horrifying about this is that they're now using these these kids who are basically being held in prison camp. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They're like literally in cages or hollowed like out Walmart, yeah. which, God, ugh. Um, and they're literally holding these kids hostage to get some bills passed. Like, that's what they're saying. Like, yeah, the it, compromise is... It would, all sure right, would we'll, be sad if something happened to these kids <laughs> if we don't get our immigration policy. So but give what, us a wall, give us these other stupid things. But what things. they want is reduced legal immigration, mm-hmm. which I guess I don't... Never in my... And we live in a fairly immigrant-heavy area, yeah, I would say. Yeah, it's pretty diverse. Um, I've never in my entire life felt like something was taken away from me because my neighbors are from India. Like, mm-hmm. I, and so this idea that, okay, fine, like, I get where you're coming from with illegal immigration, maybe. Again, I like uh, granting the premise. Why do you want fewer people to come in? It's not like, I don't, I just don't understand. I, I really, 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 really <laughs> we don't. We stole it from other people. Now they can't take anything yeah. from us. Or, I don't know the mentality. By the way, t- there's yeah. a tweet that was like, isn't it weird that um, like a lot of evangelicals are sending people overseas to preach to the people who are trying to get into the country <laughs> right now? Like, why are you going to South America to proselytize? And then they come here and you're like, no, boy, you're scary and brown. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> citing Romans 13, like just listen to the government. We know what's best. You should obey that sort of idea. I don't remember evangelicals mentioning that when Obama was president. It just seemed to come up now. Or like the Kim Franklin. Th- Kim Franklin, was that her name? The Kentucky. Oh, Kim Davis. Kim Davis. Yeah. Who's Kim? Fr- oh, uh, I was the difference that I heard Franklin in that Graham. case is she works for the government. Therefore, it's OK for her to do whatever, even though she was disobeying a different part of the government. That's not how she's rules still work, a bigot. My but anyway. And also, like, since when is the GOP the party of the government knows best? Let the government do. Like, it's right. just, it's so impressive how they are willing to, like, hop from, like, stone to stone to cross this horrifying river to, like, get the results they need. It's insane. It's, it's, it's unconscionable and really depressing. And I've actually, this is, I, I know myself pretty well. This is one thing I'm not, like, dug into because I don't think... I would react very well. So I know this mostly. And it's, I know somebody talked about going through one of these camps and there was like a huge mural of Trump, yeah. which, hi, 1930s Germany, <laughs> good to see you back. We missed you. Yeah. And you're... That sent- was Jacob Sobra from MSNBC has video of going through one of these camps, yeah, I seeing that mural. That. It, it was, di- it's disturbing. It's not something I... Um, do you want to go to a happy take. story? I kind of have a happy have story. Happy stories on I know, podcast. it's weird. So in Canada, today morning... Oh, I have this too. Um, today morning? Today morning. Um, <laughs> this morning. Oh, we're filming, uh, recording this rather on Friday the 15th. It's about 5 yeah. o'clock. So here's the setup for this story. There is a law school in Canada that's mm-hmm. a proposed law school. They proposed it about five years ago. It's in British Columbia. It's Trinity Western University. They said, we want to start a law school for our Christian university. Yeah, so Trinity Western exists already, and what they're yes. proposing is an extension with a law school. Right. Which took and me so, lo- too long to understand. And but they yeah. said, uh, I think this was 2013, they said, or maybe 2011, they said it'll open uh, in 2018, but you got to do a lot of work I mean, before it gets now. started. I know, you got to do a lot of work before this stuff gets started. 
and basically, one of the issues that happens is they say, you know, we're going to set up a curriculum. We're going to tell you what classes we're going to have and what the kids are going to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, they also need buy-in from all the different legal societies in different provinces saying, yeah, when your people graduate, we're going to take their diploma seriously if they pass the bar exam or what See, their version of See, that's a thing it. I definitely did not understand. Is that is that exclusive to Canada or is that... Um, I mean, is there a similar process in America? In, You're married uh, to a lawyer. She knows law. Sure. The, <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, you have to pass the bar exam in Illinois and then the Illinois Bar Association says you could practice law. You're fine. And you got to make sure you're keeping up and you don't get any whatever strikes against you and stuff like that. Cause you're, I know this is so ignorant, but your law degree and passing the bar are two different things, right? Yeah. You can get the law degree. Uh, saying you passed the classes, but the bar exam is you're ready to practice law. Can you do it's the like other way me- around? Uh, I don't. That's a good question. I don't actually Thank know. You. But like in medical school, same thing, where you could p- graduate from med school, but you still got to pass your boards. Gotcha. Okay. After your second and fourth years, like there's a process you got to go through in all this, right? Um, to get you know the credentials you need. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, just about every province in Canada said, yeah, when you're people graduate, we'll accept, we'll treat them like other lawyers. Mm-hmm. That's not a problem. Three provinces said, no, we're not going to take you seriously. Ontario, British Columbia, and Nova Scotia said, when your people graduate, we're not going to accredit your school. We're not going to count and your degrees. It's in British Columbia, right? It is in British Columbia. So that feels and, like a big, <laughs> big loss for them, huh? Right. <laughs> and basically what they said is it had nothing to do with the classes or the material they were going to learn. They said Trinity Western University has a policy that is basically anti-gay. They all students have to sign a statement saying it's a community uh, covenant. A community is what they covenant call it. saying that quote sexual intimacy is only reserved for straight couples. Mm-hmm. So straight married couples. Straight married couples. So if you are a gay married couple, which is legal in Canada, if you you are not allowed to have sex, or at least the students say that is a problem. Mm-hmm. It it is treating gay people differently yes. than straight people. Okay. And it's so that's mandatory to sign. If you go yeah, to this you place, have you to have sign to sign it. it. And so basically these Ontario, British Columbia, Nova Scotia was saying, if that's a policy, that is a policy we can't support, mm-hmm. even if you know what you're doing legally, even if your lawyers know how to law, that's a policy we can't get behind. So we're not right. going to reward your school for having this bigoted policy. Mm-hmm. Um, the school sued back on, in these three areas. They basically sued the law uh, groups that pass these, like the bar associations mm-hmm. of those respective places. And uh, without getting into details, because I don't want to screw it up, <laughs> you had mixed uh, results in the courts. Yes. Like and in, there were two different aspects to the suit or two different suits. Yeah, basically in British Columbia, Trinity Western won the case. Oh. In Nova Scotia, Trinity Western won their case, which is to say... If the kids pass law school, they mm-hmm. get to be lawyers. But in Ontario, the school lost. So whenever you have like appeals courts saying two different things about uh-huh. the same situation, that's when you want to bring in the Supreme Court to sort it out, same as the U.S. And today, the Canadian Supreme Court, this is weird. They issued two separate rulings. Oh, okay, maybe that's what I was thinking about. One for the British Columbia case, one for the Ontario case. Both cases, they resolve the same way. Even though we're talking two different decisions, they're mm-hmm. basically copy and paste in a lot of ways, okay. uh, just with slightly different details. The same five judges said, you know, they uh, basically what they said is we're ruling in favor of the legal societies. 
we're saying that every one of these legal groups mm -hmm. has the right to say we're not going to admit your graduates as lawyers. It's a huge blow mm -hmm. to the school. Right. Uh, it's a victory for human rights. Yeah. <laughs> so that's great. It's a huge blow to the school. But basically, you had five judges saying, here's our decision. You had two other judges saying, we wrote concurring separate opinions. Right. And then you had two judges saying, you're wrong, and they wrote joint. But basically, there were eight opinions in all for oh these different cases. But the long and short of it is these cases were won by the civil rights people, mm -hmm. seven to two in each situation. That is good news uh, for civil rights. Yeah, um, so I'm actually really glad you had brought this up because I had this on my list to talk about, but you clearly have a greater understanding <laughs> of what was going on. Um, just some things I want to add that, um, so the Supreme Court said it's, quote, proportionate and reasonable to limit rights, excuse me, limit religious rights in order to ensure open access for LGBT students. So this wasn't a, like, technicality thing. This wasn't, like, the cake thing where it's like, no. well, this cake. Like, it was, from my understanding, and God, I'm almost certainly wrong, but, like, it's setting some kind of precedent or at least an indication of we're well, going to protect LGBT people over... Yeah, no, that's exactly rights, it. Right? This was not a technicality. They said we have two competing ideas here. One's this quote-unquote religious freedom mm -hmm. that the school is pushing for. The other is, you know, human dignity and respect. Right. And when those two collide, we're going with human dignity and respect. And yeah. you're right. They basically said the we have a public interest in promoting equality by ensuring equal access to the legal profession. Right. Because if you're a gay student who is not ashamed of your homosexuality, you can't go to Trinity Western if you think that yep. gay marriage is fine. They found that it would exclude LGBT students and put those who... So exclude them from the school, period. But also anyone who did um, attend had risk was put at risk of, quote, significant harm. Right, because so they're they basically treating you. They took it very seriously. Um, now, I, what I do want to talk about is this is a big difference in how Canada would have, how Canada did decide this case, okay. and how the U.S. would have decided this case. Because in the U.S., we have a very different policy when it comes to all of this. Okay, and put it this way: if you graduate from Liberty University's law school, mm -hmm. you're a lawyer. Because the thinking is, we don't really care what your religious beliefs are you still have to understand the law. Mm -hmm. You have to know how to apply the law and, and think about these things. If you disagree with the law, which they do mm -hmm. when it comes to like LGBT rights, it doesn't matter because you still got to pass the bar exam. Right. Once you pass the bar exam in your respective state, you're, you're good to go. What, what, do you, you, what you do with your degree is up to you. So if you want to work for a group like uh, one of those Christian right groups uh -huh. to try to tear down these laws... Whatever, you're still a lawyer. It's kind of like saying, and this has happened in the past, what if you're a creationist who tries to get your PhD in, like, geology? Right. So what do you do? And this has happened before. You kind of have to assume the Earth is billions of years old, even though that goes against your belief. So I mean, if you're going... <sighs> this happened in the past where someone got his PhD in, I think, geology or geoscience. He wrote a thesis. He defended his dissertation using proper science and doing all the stuff you would expect a PhD student to do. Mm -hmm. But if you ask him, do you believe any of the stuff you're defending here? He'll say, no, I believe the earth is 6,000 years old. And the question why, was, why, this was a controversy at the time. But Hemet, but Hemet, why? <laughs> why what? Why would he do that? Because... 
now he gets to say he's a doctor in this field from a legit university, and he can use that to promote creationism. So the point Somebody is... Somebody had to be footing the bill for that, right? There's no way this dude's like, he, I'm going to take out he did the work. hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of student loans <laughs> so was, I can was, put a doctor in front of my name. It was, it was in the New York Times because the question is, what should the school do in this situation? And all of his professors were like, he did the work we yeah. expect any graduate to do. He gets the degree. The fact that he doesn't believe any of it is a separate issue. Yeah, it feels so, really thought policey so, to be like, <laughs> well, do you really believe this thing? Right. Like, if and, you, I don't know. And so going back to the Liberty University case, if you're a fundamentalist Christian and you graduate from law school, you don't just magically get your law degree. I mean, it's not like Liberty's law school is, quote unquote, worse than any other law school. Mm-hmm. You still got to pass the same standardized test as everybody else. You got to show that you know what you're doing. Even if you don't believe the law is right in these yeah, areas. Yeah, and I, I have to think that the same way, like, what college you went. So I could have an English degree from, like, Ball State, where I went, or yeah. an English degree from Harvard. And, like, it's technically the same degree, but people will definitely look at my resume and be like, I think we'll take the Harvard sure. grad, And that's a you. different issue, but no one's but, but saying, so, like... like if you, what I'm saying, though, is, like, if you go to one of these things, like you are taking on the the identity of this. So, like, it's it's similar but different, I guess, from the... Anyway, go ahead. We, the point is, we don't punish Liberty students for where they went. It's kind of what they do with their degree. Okay. In Canada, they are punishing you for where you go. They're saying, if you graduate from Trinity Western, your diploma, in is theory, worthless. could be worthless if a law society, a legal society in Ontario says, we're not going to accept you. We're going to say you can't be part of the legal society. You can't be a practicing lawyer in Ontario. The court said, yeah, that's fine. Hmm. So it, there is a religious freedom argument to be made there. Uh, Alliance Defending Freedom, one of those Christian right groups, they're based in the U.S., but they do have Canadian lawyers too. They were making this argument this morning, basically saying freedom of religion and association is not only essential for faith-based groups, but for the functioning of democracy. Basically, they're making the baker cake, like he has the religious freedom to do it, and how dare you go in the other direction. I would say the students, uh, here's why it's not necessarily totally hypocritical here or something. The students still have a right to their beliefs. They can go to any law school they want. They could still graduate from their law schools. They could still hold those bigoted beliefs. Trinity Western can still have its, whatever, the community covenant. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, if they want to have a law school, the people who kind of decide if your diploma counts, they're saying, no, not if you're treating gay people this way. We're not going to count you because you can't defend that. That goes against everything we stand for. We don't have to accept you. Mm -hmm. And the Canadian Supreme Court said, yeah, they have a point. So we're going to side with LGBTQ rights, human Mm -hmm. dignity, respect. That matters more than you getting to be bigots because of your faith. Um, There's a part of me that says, if it was the U.S., I, I might actually go in the other direction and say, you know what, if you graduate from whatever, a fundamentalist Christian law school, but you did all the work right. and you passed the bar exam, yeah, you get to be a lawyer. That's how it works. But in Canada, it is different laws. They have different uh, values. And I'm not saying I'm upset with this ruling because right. they went on the side of dignity and respect. Um, and the laws are different. Yeah, so. and- the idea is maybe we should discourage universities from having this sort of like arcane rule <laughs> about sex in 
college lol like what do you <laughs> granted they're not all like 19 when they're going to law school a lot of them might be older but they might but be I mean, married the, the, and the covenant exists for their undergrads so yeah, it does. like yes i mean that's fine so anyway it, it was interesting to kind of this has been going on for years and of course this the lower court battles have been going on forever and i I've always, I've kind of gone both ways on this. I kind of see where the law school's coming from, uh-huh. but this isn't the U.S. So it's like, you know what? You're under their rules. Yeah. And if I'm ignorant about U.S. law, like, Lord knows that I'm a moron about, like, Canadian <laughs> law. So I'm going to refrain from yeah. commenting too much more. Um, Jessica had asked me, you better have something, like, that you could just rant about. So I got you a story you can just rant about. Oh, God. Okay. Get this, Father's Day, yeah, drink up, drink up. So Father's Day is this weekend, Mm -hmm. or so I'm told. Mm -hmm. I've lost track of time. Um, There is a group, anti-abortion group, called Save the Storks. I I don't know why, but that's their name. Um, They put out a series of video. Just because it's alliterative doesn't mean it's clever. (laughs) Is that what you want me to rant about, a Uh, bad title? Not even close. (laughs) They put out a series of videos starting this Monday, like one a day. And the videos, you know, we, you would expect, what would an anti-abortion group kind of do leading up to a big holiday or something like that? Maybe you hear from mothers who are like, I regret my abortion. Let me tell you my story. You're making a face at me while I talk. I hate it. Uh-huh. No, it gets worse. No. Yes. I'm going to be back here because I'll be yelling. They have men talking about how they're traumatized no. No. by the abortions no. No. women no. had. It. Have it, how dare you? <laughs> Said one guy, oh, I am the father of five, <gasps> but I only raised three of them. Wrap it up, my <laughs> dude. So basically they featured all these men saying my partner at the time had an abortion and this is tra- this has traumatized me to this day. Cool, sorry. Even though they, sorry, all of them, I, I watched these videos, I, all of the men were... Complicit's the wrong word. They they didn't have a Complicit. they didn't have a problem with the abortion when it happened. One of the guys was like, I I would pay the bill for it. I told her she should have the abortion. What I like, it was a two person decision. It's not like they didn't want to have one yeah. and the women did and they ran off and did it and now the men are scarred. Which is that, also fine. <laughs> yeah, but that's at least a different story. That's not the story these men were telling. They were like, Well, I agreed to an abortion before, but now uh The words they used are, I bear the scars of abortion. I'm actually going to go. I've had enough of (laughs) this. No, no, I'm not done yet. Just Okay, just to be clear, if you don't want to have an abortion, let's talk about... I'm going to take this one. I'm going to go on serious. You keep talking. Chug it. Uh, Things you could do if you don't want to have an abortion. Stop having unprotected sex. Get a vasectomy. You can make sure you have access to contraception and push for laws that require insurance providers to cover birth control or stop blaming women for traumatizing you because you couldn't keep it in your pants. You know, Hemet, <laughs> Hemet, you know, I just had a realization. Mm-hmm. I just had a, uh, forgive the expression, come to Jesus moment. That was funny on several ah. levels. <laughs> That, that was, was your pity laugh. That was, that was a good joke. Come to Jesus. Because it's religion this. and it's coming. It's just, it's extremely yeah, funny. I, there I are gotcha. people laughing gotcha. right now. You know who makes good jokes when I explain it? Um, <laughs> you know who we never you know, saw in the videos? The women. We well, never heard yeah. their side of the well, story because the problem they don't with matter. the whole abortion debate, Hammond, 
is that we just don't hear from dudes. I know, I know. <laughs> Abortion, why won't anyone think of the men? I just... <laughs> yeah, and by the way, hey, mother of three children, why don't you have two more? <laughs> like, yeah, that's definitely the problem, is now. like she doesn't have enough human children. In a pl- <laughs> Like, okay, just... By the way, I, the first video they put save out... Save the stork? Save the storks. The first video Ugh. they put out, the one that got most of the views, if you sort the comments on Facebook by, like, relevance or uh-huh. whatever, the first comment was just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, <laughs> someone just ripping them a new one. Um, but basically, <sighs> as, as you watch these videos, like, just to be clear, and, and most, I will not. most women do not regret their abortions. We're Correct. talking, like, 90% Correct. are fine with their decision mm-hmm. well after they actually go through with it. Um <laughs> their lives. One guy, my favorite part of the video, uh, one of the guys who said he was adamant that she have one and even agreed to pay for the abortion, he says his life was ruined afterwards and he resorted to drinking a lot and doing marijuana because abortion is a gateway drug for marijuana, which is a gateway drug for everything else. Um, yeah, uh, but, oh, it goes on. I went to save the stork's website. Don't though. And stop saying here's it. What, <laughs> like it's a real thing. Here's what they said. Uh, I'm going to quote this because it's insane. Oh, there are 55 million plus post-abortive men in this country. <laughs> I'm still quoting. Men who are s- men who are suffering alone from the effects and trauma of an abortion. <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> 55 million. I need you to triple check that this isn't the onion. I it's need, not. I it's c- totally legit. Because if because <laughs> 55 million men are like these guys in the video saying my life is over because like a woman I, I, that I impregnated. Didn't have a baby. Didn't have a baby. That I would have been a deadbeat dad. <laughs> Right. And you know what you also don't hear in the video, which I was like waiting Anything for Anything logical or well, reasonable. I'm like, well, what are you doing about, if you don't like abortions, what are you doing about it? What are you doing to convince the He's government? He's crying to a camera. To like, yeah, no, that's all they're doing. They're not telling the government to get affordable health care or, you know, childhood education or not promote abstinence-only sex ed. Yeah. I, uh, no, they're not doing anything useful to prevent abortions or to make it, that's the wrong word to it, like to prevent people from needing to get one because they right. could stop the process. To prevent unwanted pre- pregnancies. Yes. They're not doing any of that. So like, happy Father's Day, these men want you to feel bad for them, women. Feel bad for them. Why aren't you crying for these men who have suffered so much because, you know... You kill the child. I'm sorry you're not getting a good rant out of me. I'm just so <laughs> like how the like like how and why? How, why, and how dare you? I can't believe they think these are convincing videos. <laughs> I just I cannot imagine the kind of person. Think of the thought process you need to because they had to have a meeting about this somewhere where they're like, well, we need to find men to do the video. We need to get the camera people because they look fine as far as videos go you need to get the light and sound and camera people there had to be a long process to get this happening this and went through no a lot of one, hands and yes, nobody was like and no um. one said this sounds like a horrible idea so so save the storks don't stop saying it Hammond <laughs> I cannot believe this is a real thought I'm totally so real. 
post-abortive, what was it? Post-abortive men? Post-abortive men. By the way, there are about 120 million men in the country. So we're talking about half of them. Wow. Um, That's impressive. Are sitting around <laughs> wallowing in the sorrow sure. over the abortions that we didn't have. Yeah. And we did have. You did have. <laughs> oh, that you didn't have. That the wa- Personally. Yes. Wow, 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 wow. I would love to see the alternate video of somebody who, like, knocked their girlfriend up when they were 16 and now is... Okay, okay, okay. Are men ever happy? Here's my question. (laughs) Here's my thesis question. Are men ever happy? Because... No. These men are unhappy because they didn't have these babies. Yes. I feel like every other piece of media that's shoved down my throat is... The story is white men have a family and a wife and a house and a decent job and they're fucking miserable. (laughs) So my question is this, is there a problem with men, period? Because apparently you don't like us when we have your babies. You do not like us when we do not have your babies. And by we, I mean the, the human woman race. What is your fucking problem, white dudes? Like you're running the country. Maybe like take a step back and be like, hey, let's take a week and stop complaining for fucking once in our lives. I didn't say all the men in the video were white, but they They were were all white. (laughs) I'm just pointing that out. (laughs) How did I know? Did you just tell me psychically? (laughs) Yes. I just... I just can't. Oh, I just... They bear the stars of abortion. Oh, have you ever seen the movie... God, I might even talk about this in the show. Have you seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind? No. Do you know anything about it? How like how the basic title. do I have to get? Very. So it's about a dude who... Aliens... And that's the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so essentially... like the, I, I just want... I, I think I said Mikey and my husband and I are doing the... like t- Watch all the AFI movies. And so we were watching that. I'd never seen it. It's a Spielberg movie. Okay. You know Steven Spielberg? Heard of him. Jurassic Park? Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, and so the story, <laughs> the story is this dude who's a professor at Ball State University. Chirp, chirp. Yeah. Um, and he lives in a perfectly nice house with a perfectly lovely wife and two regular human children and is fucking miserable because yeah, because <laughs> mental health is a responsibility okay. of everybody around you and not yourself. Um, anyway, so he like starts to believe it, like something happens with aliens and then he goes into a spaceship and that's the end of the movie. Um, it's like two hours, but that's basically it. So this dude, I want to summarize it one more time. This dude had a wife and a children and was raising them and was like a professor at Ball State and was like, fuck this noise. I'm go up with the aliens because you children, you, my human children, whom I raised with my wife, who is my partner, suck. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to go jam out with the aliens. See you never that's the movie. And he's the hero of the movie. <laughs> it really, like, come on, white dudes. Like, it's not that bad. Just uh, get on antidepressants. If you're I that miserable with your life, talk to the therapist. Do not ditch. I, I appreciate I cannot a comment say this enough. someone made online. No, which is, one more. Okay. I cannot say this enough. If you men are unhappy with your life, see a therapist, get an antidepressants. Do not, under any circumstances, go rock out with the aliens. It's not the solution. Go ahead. Yes, back to back to the abortion men oh, yeah. from Stave the Storks. Um, Stop saying the name. They, after weeks of like talking about incels and the involuntary, the guys who can't get any. Yeah. Now I thought like, well, that's pretty. <laughs> the the people lashing out about that. That's you can 
they deserve to be criticized for some of the things they've been doing because they're they're and then, then you hear these people. It's like man, women just know every way favorite, to fuck up their lives, huh? My favorite comment uh, online came from someone who said to the guy who says, "I'm the father of five, His wife should chime in. Well, only two. <laughs> I just. Oh. Wow. And, and yeah, and you touched on it before, and I think it's, I feel like I say this every fucking week, but it's always worth revisiting that if your concern is the welfare of the unborn, as you so fondly put it, there are ways to keep abortions from happening. And we know them because they work, and we've seen them work, and we've seen your garbage ways not work. So, education, access to birth control. Um, early childhood education, maybe not like basically punishing women for having kids by not be, making it insanely expensive to rear children and somehow still like pain. It doesn't matter. I'm just mad about everything right now. So that's not going great. Um, this garbage doesn't work and it shouldn't work. And I, I, I just, I can't, I can't anymore. You know, you know, you know how I just can't. You should write a letter to these people. Speaking of letters. Yes. Are we done with... Go for it. Okay. So I actually had brought... <laughs> I had brought a story, and it was really brief. It was just um, the Faith and Freedom Coalition, um, which is an evangelical group. Um, they are really, really gunning for the, the primaries. Excuse me, the midterm elections. Mm-hmm. Um, so their goal is to hit... $20 million, or like, or 18, I think. They want to contribute consumable. $20 million to these primary campaigns for Republicans? For Republicans. Um, so the, the um, they heavily invested during the 2016 elections, and they want to improve voter turnout because there's a lot of... I mean, historically speaking, when you have the first midterm after a presidential election, generally the other party does very well in the, in the midterms. That's just historically true. Um, so they, uh, so Ralph Reed is the chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition. He said, we're going to make a bigger effort in 2018 than we did in 2016. If you remember, 2016 didn't go super great for the Democrats. We, uh, we think our people are going to come, but we also think their people are going to, their people, I think, Being Democrats, um, <laughs> are going to come in really big numbers. This is going to be hard fought. So I just wanted to bring that up. Like, oh, don't worry. Evangelicals are still... They're still um, back in this administration, super, and they're going to vote, yeah. and they're going to put a lot of money into the election. Yep. If you're not, hey guys, get registered register. in your state. If you're not registered, vote. register. That's it. Like, like I know if you the take women's... nothing else away from this dumb podcast, like <laughs> register though. The the women's march was right the biggest protest mm-hmm. ever. Both it years, would I be think. amazing if that sort of energy, that sort that, of like, mentality. Uh, came out on election day too because you, he'll still be president. Mm-hmm. You could stop all the shit. Yes, you could just put a stop to so much, and that would make him angry for two years. Yeah, like, think of the tweets. Oh man, think of how for all the misery he's caused everyone for two years. Yes, think of how miserable it would make him if he had the presidency and no support from Congress, well, and Congress and- willing to investigate him and stop I- him. From the worst that he could do. Yes. And I think it's always worth revisiting. Because if Just you. Just imagine him pissed off. Wouldn't that make you I, happy? Like his tiny hands would be shaking. Yes. Um, I, I think it's. So it's really easy to get caught up in like what Trump is doing and why he's a fucking monster. And those things are 
true. He's a monster. He's doing as much bad as he possibly can, mostly in the name of undoing anything Obama did. It is worth noting that he has crossed many, 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 many lines, and the fact that he continues to be able to cross them is a result of our Congress being complicit in his nonsense. And I think... I think Trump is such a good target because he is like basically a democratic movie villain come to life. But it's really important to remember that like a lot of these things could be stopped or slowed or like at least somebody could say like, hey, dude, could you maybe think about this for 30 seconds before you tweet at Kim? Anyway. Yeah. So Do it. if if Go we vote. if we put Democrats or God at least non garbage Republicans in Congress right now who I, I was thinking about this I'm like is there any Republican that I was seeing in the primaries this past week uh, the weeks before I'm like which of these Republicans would at least stand up to him none of them are even saying they would that's not part of their uh, campaign platform that's not true some people are saying tweeting that they're really disappointed so yeah and i repeat they are doing nothing <laughs> to, to actually stop it so seriously go vote for democrats what are you doing what if you're are not you doing what are you doing do you stop like it. this is this what you like go fight it out in the primaries and if your people lose go vote for the <laughs> other democrat trump literally said today that he really respects how north koreans <laughs> like stand like pay attention when Kim Jong-un talks, which I need to reiterate. He's a brutal dictator. I mean, he'll murder you if you don't stand up for him. He keeps his citizens in abject poverty. He is a nightmare human. And Trump is like, he's dope as hell. But Trudeau, fuck you, dog. You're meek (laughs) or something. Like, it's... It's like a literal dick measuring contest everywhere I look. I hate it. I hate him. I hate the GOP this year. This year? This year You know who you hate more than the GOP? Save the storks. Why would you... Why, though? But, but, Hammett, but why? <laughs> um, oh, so anyway, but, but all that's just, so backing oh, up right. off our Ralph political Reed rant. and Faith and... <laughs> our political uh-huh. rant. Um, so Hammett got to my house <laughs> today and was like, oh, I have mail for you. And I was like, it's definitely anthrax or a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It is from a listener named uh, Sam. Sam. And she sent us this Buckwild mailer that she got. Um, from the Faith and Freedom from Coalition. From the Faith and Freedom Coalition. And it's like these really bad... Gr- I think, say what you will about the Democrats, we have all of the good graphic designers because this shit <laughs> looks like something I did in like yeah. Photoshop in... Not Photoshop, in like Microsoft Paint in 1998. Um, so she sent us this really sweet letter along with it. Um, about, she somehow got this. She's a, a liberal atheist, she said. Um, and she got this buck wild pamphlet and annotated it, which, Sam, this which was... Which we appreciated. So good. So it's literally, it looks like somebody printed it off in their, like... <laughs> like in, in their local folded. Kinkos. Yeah. It's really upsetting. Um, but it just, it, it's... This is sort of a peek inside, which, I mean, I guess we have Fox News, so we always know what they're saying, like, internally. But this is a really bonkers peek inside to, like, what they're saying to each other. Um, They are, they being us uh, Democrats, uh, they are also calling the rapidly approaching 28 congressional elections, quote, the impeachment election. Haven't heard that. (laughs) President Trump will love seeing these letters of thanks and support, she said, because he's obsessed with himself. And also... 
they just bold every time it says Trump. But it, the, they need a copy editor. I'm, yeah. Um, many experts and pundits are predicting the tidal wave election sweep for the radical anti-Christian left, which, like, yeah, but not everybody. The radical anti-Christian left as opposed to the right, which quotes the Bible to right. separate families and inflict no, cruelty Hammett, on kids. No, but Hammett were the bad guys. Yes. Um, so also, they did a really strong mail merge because it says, Samantha, I know I don't have to tell you what's at stake. The anti-Christian, anti-freedom, anti-America left, capital L, has a very different vision for America's future than you and I have. Bullet points. They want to erase America's borders so we no longer have a country. Bullet point. They want to eliminate Christianity as a moral force in American life. Semicolon. And bullet point. They want they want America to be governed by the United Nations, not our own constitution. They say great, make America great again 37 times. Um, they ask you to donate at least $26.93, which is what they need to stop the left, I guess. Oh, my God. Um, President Obama's open border policies. Not a thing. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Obama's administration's misuse of the Justice Sometimes, Department and other federal agents so, to prosecute and persecute Christians who express their faith. Because I've gotten to? Kim Davis's book in the past, because I've I've signed up for some of them, because this is entertaining reading. I sometimes get these mailers from other conservative groups, and they're always fascinating to read because of how they exaggerate what liberals are doing. They assume we have the money and organization that they do which we don't. <laughs> and you're dumb faces. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, they're coming after us. They're going to like, they're going to whatever. They're going to steal a Supreme court seat. It's like that. That's not us. They're, yes, they're going to like eradicate Christianity from the public square. It's like, no, neutrality is not eradication. Whatever. They just, they lie right in all of these mailers. I just like, I know this is beside the point. But, like, what are they doing with their text here? Like, for the, quote, bolded, lowest propensity, end quote, unbold, potential Christian voters. Like, it's, they have, okay, in all, our army of nearly 10,000 field staff and volunteers underlined, knocked on 1,256,778 doors and unlined in the key states to conduct underlined personal, all caps, home visits. Like they're very excited. About are there? Li- listen, I know English majors are useless as a people, but God, just like send this to somebody, and just have them look it over, you guys. <laughs> like communication is important. Also, it's twenty five page. Like, what the fuck it's are they long. doing here? All right, um, I'm gonna move to a different story. Anyway, because thank we you could very much, Sam. Forever. This was excellent. It made me laugh a whole lot. And thank you for not sending anthrax, like I obviously <laughs> expected. Um, let me talk about this study that just came out because I've seen these headlines everywhere. Uh-huh. And the study, basically, if you look at the headlines, they say religious people live on average four years longer than atheists. Is that true? That is so not true. Because if you look at the paper, and this is the... Here's what they did. Uh, These researchers... It was published in the journal Social, Psychological, and Personality Science, Uh legit journal, professors from Ohio State University, legit school. Here's what they basically did. Uh, They did two different experiments. The first one said, well, look at the Des Moines Register, uh, a a newspaper that prints obituaries. They went through a two-month span from 2012 and basically pulled every obituary that they published in that newspaper. Uh, And they looked through it to see which ones mentioned religion in the obituary and how old were they when they died, right? So those, what they said is those who 
whose obituaries mention an affiliation with the religious organization live nearly a you decade longer. You said this longer. is a legit study? No, I said the people were legit. The journal's legit. We can criticize the methods here. But they, they said the obituaries that mentioned religion lived a decade longer. If you take away their marital status differences and the gender differences, uh-huh. trying to equalize it a little bit, religious people still live sure, six science. and a half years longer. Okay, so then they did another experiment. Basically, they looked at all my issues with that. Sure, Go ahead. 42 different cities and a whole bunch of obituaries, but now we're scattered, right? So mm-hmm. it's not just one city in case that one has an anomaly. And they found basically 5.6 years longer the religious people live mm-hmm. and if you control the other variables it's still like 3.8 years longer moral of the story according to them religious people live longer than non-religious people mm-hmm. now where do you even start with it why oh, I've, I've got a list but you start wrong one of the things they mentioned because of course they get to explain their own limitations in a paper like this and they said, you know, one reason for this may one be... One limitation is the whole <laughs> thing's garbage. Yeah. Many religions restrict behaviors related to health, I such as drinking, that, yeah, drinking, doing drugs, having sex with many partners. Further, religions promote stress-reducing practices. So may, basically saying, maybe this stuff is the reason they live longer. Like, first of all, if you're not drinking, doing drugs, or having sex with lots of people, why are you even living? Yeah. What's the point? But secondly... So it's heaven not- who has one fucking glass of wine a week <laughs> at my house. How no. dare you? But here's the thing. Like, this is the same criticism I have every time all these researchers compare religious people to non-religious people and they make these arguments. It's notice that in that explanation, they didn't say if you believe in God, you are going to live longer. Because Okay, so that's... Okay, finish your thought. Sir, I'm going to keep so writing. it's not about believing in God. If you suddenly stop logicking and <laughs> just start believing it, you're not going to live longer. The issue is being part of a community mm-hmm. that I think has your back, that you okay. feel excited about being a part of, that mm-hmm. gives you these opportunities to be part of something bigger and volunteer and work with others. Like, that is important. That is a good, healthy thing to do. And churches do a good job of that, by Mm -hmm. and large, but they're not the only game in town. And you see this in big cities, too, where maybe religion isn't as big of a deal if you live in, like, a big urban city. Mm -hmm. But they have other ways that you get to interact with people, whether it's, like, a a bar (laughs) and intramural sports or a club or a meetup group or whatever it is. Did you mention that because you wanted to ask about my softball team this week? Yeah, I want to join it. (laughs) Sorry. What? Do you I even appreci- own sneakers? I don't appreciate your laughter uh, at you me ju- mentioning sport. So <laughs> the point is like, um, and by the way, they even acknowledged all this quietly in their paper. They sport. said in less religious cities, uh-huh. non-religious affili- non-religiously affiliated people live just as long as religiously affiliated people. That didn't make any of the headlines. So I didn't even need to write this list. <laughs> right. <laughs> the point is, like, it's not belief in God. It's being part of a community that, it, like, you feel like you belong. And, by the way, if you go to non-religious countries, predominantly non-religious countries in Europe, where they have, like, good health care and good education was... and good everything, <laughs> those people have long lives, too. You don't need <laughs> God to make that happen. Hey, guys, if you're concerned about people living longer so much and, like, let them go to doctors. Like, I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Even if this is true, if you're that concerned, like, make, make health care a thing people can get. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the um, funny thing is, like, I get these Google alerts anytime people talk about atheist, atheism. This article. Or do you have a these, Google alert for your name? Yeah, it never comes up. <laughs> I but can't like, imagine why. I know. It's mostly because I need the Google alerts for various spellings of my name. And then sometimes <laughs> it works. But, like, the point is, all of these, all the times they do this, it's like, as soon as they say religious people live longer than non-religious people, everyone's writing about it. And not just random people. It's like mainstream publications are pushing this material okay. out. And the methods of how they figure this stuff out and their analysis of it is so flawed every time. And I would also like to float this idea. So given, again, given my favorite thing to do, given them their premise, given that the premise of religious people live longer than than atheists or whatever. So like what, <laughs> what, what, what's, what's actionable about this? Why is this helpful information? Because you, if you don't believe in God, you don't believe in God. And like, maybe you can start going to church and like talk yourself into it, but that doesn't seem super likely. So are y'all just flaunting it or like do you need something else to hold above us because your moral superiority is slipping a little bit re children in cages i anyway so the things i had written down you kind of chomped my flavor on a few of these You're welcome. um <laughs> so i would say not mentioning religion does not mean they were or were not religious they, yes i by the way i wrote this when i was writing about the post uh-huh. i didn't mention right now but you're right the thing is, like, if you're not part of a ch- if you're part of a church, mm-hmm. that's usually something that kind of goes in your bio at the end mm, of your yeah, life. Yeah, that's a good point. But if you're but not, not if, you, if you're not like hashtag spiritual, that's not yeah. going to. What are they going to say? Do are you going to maybe your family doesn't want to say he belonged to an atheist group or yeah. he was part of a softball group or whatever? They're not going to mention. If I die tomorrow, you better fucking mention that I'm the pitcher on my softball team. She applied and, to be the president of Save the Storks. And we're, it did and not we're work out. And we're eight, and I want all of that in my. <laughs> <laughs> I will put your losing <laughs> record in your obituary. Um, um, yeah, but, but they don't. You're not going to mention that you're not religious as much as like the pride people have if they are. Right. Well, here's the other thing: is that and the family right. family's writing your obituary in a lot of these cases, and right. of course they're going to mention your church service or whatever it was. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe. Older people tend to skew more religious. Sure. So I feel like that's sort of a self-selecting thing. If you're seeing a lot of bios from like 20, 30-somethings who arguably died prematurely, it's less Maybe. likely that they are yeah. be going to be religious. So if you do live longer, you're more likely to become religious. So, so like, take this away from the study. Anytime you see anyone garbage. saying religious people are better in some capacity than non-religious people, almost always this is the thing to keep in mind believing in God is not going to make your life better, but maybe being part of a community yeah. will. And that's a difference. And Go they, join a softball but team. But the headlines will never say that. No. Um, I've got another thing. Yes. Uh, so BuzzFeed released a story um, about a study that was published in the uh, in the journal PLOS Medicine. Yes. Is it PLOS or PLOS is it PLOS? One? I don't know. Is it PLOS? Um, so they uh, did a study and uh, were able to identify cities that are at greater at risk. Excuse me, at greater risk for um, outbreaks due to unvaccinated populations. Um, so they looked at. So they did this study, and it was for states that have um, 
what do they call it? Non-medical ex- exemptions for vaccines. So uh, NMEs, which isn't a great okay. acronym, but um, so so in other words, you can opt out of, of vaccinations. And so they looked at these states who have these laws. Um, and so they, uh, so researchers looked at the total number um, in the 18 states. So 18 states allow NMEs. The data showed that the NME rates have been on the rise in 12 of those 18 states. Um, and in those areas, fewer children received vaccines such as MMR. Um, so in these cities, these kids went unvaccinated. Yeah, more so kids more went likely to go unvaccinated. So looking at the data county by county, researchers identified several hot spots with high prevalence of NMEs. Um, and I just and, and so um, their concern is because the the population, the number of people who who are not are, vaccinated right. is so high. Herd immunity is not going to be as strong. Do we need strong. to talk about what herd immunity, herd, herd Basically, immunity if, is? Basically, if people are not vaccinated, the virus has a better chance of spreading. So you want everybody vaccinated to block out that virus. Yes. It so can't transfer cities, from person to person. In these cities, the virus can spread much more quickly. Yeah. And when I looked at that map, because I remember seeing it, I'm like, which cities are these? Which counties are these? Did you notice that it's all the cities I'm going to this year? Oh, really? Yes! Every <laughs> fucking city I'm going to in 2018 is on this list! You're going to die, and then I'm going to write your obituary. It mentioned the softball team. Maybe we'll have a victory by then. So, um, oh, did you, I'm sorry. You're, no, I, I was going to say, the, some of the counties, I'm like, I think one of them was in Idaho or Oregon, like Multnomah mm-hmm. County. And I'm like, that's one of the Christian science hotbeds where they don't take their kids to doctors so at they, all. Because we've talked about that before. Yeah. Their kids died because their parents were like, I'll just pray over you. So, of course, they didn't vaccinate their kids. Right. There were some counties, I think, in Texas and Arizona, uh, yep. Joe Arpaio's county uh, in Arizona, that oh, sheriff, yeah, yeah. his county was on that oh, list, that too. Oh, that monster. Because, again, yeah. conservatives, very, very conservative. They don't trust but, the government. But, but not universally, because you have your, like, Portland, Oregon's and your Seattle, Washington's that... Very liberal places. Very liberal, so they so don't have, Gwyneth like, Paltrow fluoride fans. and shit. <laughs> um, so some of these cities are Seattle, going there this year, Spokane, Washington, Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Provo, Utah, Houston, going there twice this year, Austin, my husband's going there this year, Fort Worth, Plano, Texas, Troy Warren in Detroit, Michigan, uh, Portland going there, Kansas City, Missouri, and Pittsburgh. I'm never visiting you again. Seriously, what the fuck, y'all? I just want to come, like, keep Portland weird or whatever you guys do <laughs> That's out there. That's not the way to keep it weird. I hate it. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to Houston twice. That doubles my chances of dying of vaccine. vaccine. I'll get your obituary written by next week. Don't worry. <sighs> I'm not going up there till July, <laughs> so fucking hold. Like, don't get you too want, excited to write it. You want one more? When you're done, let me know. I got um, one more happy story for you. Yes, I'm done with that. I read all the things I wanted to and <laughs> complained. Uh, Ireland, fresh off its repeal of the abortion ban. Ireland. They have now scheduled a vote for the referendum to overturn its blasphemy law. What? <clears throat> yes. Ireland, knocking out of the park this year. Yeah, which is great. And it also makes you wonder, like, what the hell was wrong with you in the past that you did all this stuff, that you had all this on the books? Momentum, my friend. But basically, they have this blasphemy law. What it says, specifically, um, this is Article 40.6.1 of the Irish Constitution, the publication or utterance of blasphemous, seditious, or indecent material 
is an offense which shall be punishable in accordance with the law. That is a very vague statement because what's blasphemous? What's indecent? It's really in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. But there have been a couple of incidents in the past year or two where people complained that people were being blasphemous and it's stirred a yeah, debate. we've talked about that, right? We have talked about it. In one case, there was a comedian who appeared on yes. like a late night Irish talk show. And what he said <clears throat> uh, in this interview is I don't know a lot of young people who are into the Catholic Church. You know, anyone I know who goes to midnight mass, they're not going there for haunted bread. <laughs> referring <laughs> you to should communion. be a stand up. Your delivery was thank you. Beautiful. I am a public speaking coach, <laughs> <clears throat> and people accuse that guy of blasphemy for making a Wait, joke. That was it. That was it. Oh, I forgot. He said some other stuff, but that was the main was. thing. The other one, the more famous incident, <clears throat> is that uh, comedian Stephen Fry appeared in an Irish uh, interview show. Was this that is the in 2015. Bone for children? Yeah, basically the host said if you walked up to the pearly gates and if it was all true, you walked up pearly gates, you were mm -hmm. confronted by God, what would Stephen Fry say to him, her or it? Mm -hmm. And Fry responded famously, I think now, I'll say bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that's not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? Awesome answer. That's why Stephen Fry is the shit. Awesome and answer. And I would like, if you haven't watched it, his delivery is like, every oh, time yeah. he says, how, how dare you, is that what he says a few times? And he, he's serious oh. when he delivers it. Oh, it's very It's not a joke to no, him. No, 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 it's not a bit. It is yeah. like him, like his how dare you's are like, like skeleton shaking. And by the way, he went on to say later, the God who created this universe, if it was created by God, is quite clearly a maniac, an utter maniac, totally selfish. We have to spend our life on our knees thanking him? What kind of God would do that? Uh, so, okay, so great good. answer. They accused him of blasphemy and they wanted to find the station kind of like it was the Janet Jackson Super Bowl halftime show or something. Wow, contemporary reference. You're welcome. I go back 20 years. And so <laughs> uh, they basically... It could have been like a 25,000 euro, maybe. Fine. It got, they didn't pay it. Like nothing no happened. Pound. Whatever it is. Um, they didn't pay it. The, the whole incident got so much bad publicity because everyone's like, why would euro. you knock Stephen Fry for that answer? That's fine. So anyway, there are reasons like the blasphemy law comes up. It rarely gets used, but when it does get brought up, it's in like in this threatening way. So this October, the Irish government has now said there is going to be a vote on overturning the blasphemy law, which cool. is fantastic. And by the way, it's not just like a vote on that one issue. This is what's even better. It's taking place at the same time that they're also having an election uh, for other things too. So like they are also going to be voting on... Um, oh, I can't remember now. They're also voting on like government officials. They're also voting on another issue on women's rights, cool. which means you're going to get a lot of liberals yeah. to the polls that day. Yeah, I was actually right? going to say my concern with that would be like the the home to vote movement that they had for abortion rights and um, prior for gay marriage. That's like a a thing you get on a plane for. It's something that me, I, I can imagine yeah. people not getting as amped. And like, I, I will say this for Ireland. They're like, they're whoever their kind of liberal social media thing is are on point. Like their videos are excellent. Mm -hmm. Like they're very, very good. Oh. I could see blasphemy, not like 
making those sort of like high arching, like beautiful <laughs> stories that make me cry at work. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the the other thing that's on the ballot at the same time as this, to be more specific, there oh. is a clause in the Constitution that talks about prioritizing a woman's domestic role over work. They're going to repeal. I'm they're going to. I know. Well, that's the reaction from Irish people, too. So they're going to. Yeah. So they're going to have another vote on that, too. So, you know, those people are going to come mean, out. What does that mean, I think it's just one of those archaic things where they had this prioritizing? a long time ago. Prioritizing? Prioritizing a woman's domestic role over work. It says that in the Constitution. They're going to get rid of it. I mean, in if this you want to pay me what I'm paying at work to, like, stay home, that's <laughs> fine. But, yeah, by the way, uh, here's the reason this is not just a frivolous random thing. Cause like maybe the argument is, well, even if they don't repeal it, it's not like it really gets used. Right. But the thing is other more uh, scarier nations on this issue, places like Pakistan where people have been like sentenced to death Mm -hmm. for blaspheming. For like doing what we're doing right now. For doing what we're doing right now. They say, well, we can have this blasphemy law. Ireland has it, and Ire- no one thinks Ireland is, like, a bad country. Does that happen? Yeah. They, huh. s- they point to Ireland as a good example of the blasphemy oh, law. Ireland. So, like, Ireland has a good reason to say we need to get rid of this because we're, n- we're better than that. We yeah. don't need to do that. So hats off to Atheist Ireland and all these other groups that were fighting for years yeah, to get guys. this on the ballot. Doing the good work. And they finally got it done. So October... That's when the vote's going to take place. More power to them. Um, And I guess while we're on the subject, let me give one more story here that's sad, and then I'm done with everything on my list that I want to talk about. One more thing, but Um, yeah. Which is that uh, in Bangladesh, this is the site of a lot of, uh, in previous years, a lot of atheists have been murdered in Bangladesh because they were bloggers, because they talked openly about religion and being critical of it. They've been slaughtered by Islamic radical terrorists. This has happened in the past. Mm -hmm. But then over the past couple of years, like, the police did a little more. They said, we're really going to go after these people, the the people who are attacking them. Uh Um, And they kind of did. Like, they arrested people. They put people in jail over it. They seem to take it more seriously. And for, like, the past couple of years, we haven't really seen uh, more violence Uh against uh, blasphemers, quote-unquote, And then, unfortunately, that changed this week. Um, Earlier this week, an atheist poet and publisher, um, his name is Shah Zahan Bachu, he was shot to death earlier this week. We don't know who did it. They haven't announced the names. Sure, we could speculate and assume this was a, like, he's an atheist, so these radical Islam uh, Muslims came after him. We don't know that yet. Um, But according to witnesses... There were five assailants on two motorcycles um, who got him. They blasted a crude bomb outside a pharmacy, creating panic. And when he came out, they shot him. That is the story that witnesses say. And you said they they don't know who did it. Do they expect it's a government sanction thing or just No, not government sanction necessarily. Uh, I, no one's making that claim. It's just okay. that this happened. And, like, what else? What are you going to do? The, he had been a target. In the past, I will say that. Um, and he didn't sleep in his house. Uh, one article that was written a couple of years ago said this guy doesn't sleep in his house. He frequently changes where he's hiding out to kind of escape from the militants. But then this died down for a couple of years, so you think he's in the clear, um, and that's not the case. 
uh, Andrew Copson. He's the president of the International Humanist and Ethical Union, kind mm-hmm. of a worldwide humanist organization. Mm-hmm. He said very clearly, we're devastated that the specter of violence has returned to the free-thinking community in Bangladesh. He said, we once again call on the government of Bangladesh to root out the jihadi networks perpetrating these crimes and on the international community to bring pressure to bear on Bangladesh to protect and defend its humanists and human rights defenders. Um, I would add one more story to this, which is uh, Asif Mohuddin, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he was another one of these atheists who was attacked in 2013. They basically slit his throat, but he survived the attack. Um, so he's still around and he's still active. He, after this death happened this week, he posted something on Facebook. It was a rough translation because he wrote it in a different language. Mm-hmm. But one of the stories he told is that a couple of years ago, he told Bachu, you know, you need to watch out for extremists because they're going to come after you too. And Bachu didn't take him seriously at the time. He kind of just said, who will kill me? Mm. Well... That's really sad. So it is sad. It, it's extremely sad. I don't have a butt to that. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's happening. This happened again. We're seeing it again. The, the question I have now is, is this the start of something horrible, even worse, that more people are going to go? Or what's the Bangladeshi government going to do now? Yeah. Because they had an opportunity years ago and they failed. It, it took all these deaths for them to do something about it. I wonder how they're going to respond now. But just a sad, horrible story that happened. Yeah, I um, that's so scary to hear because I think I get really for doing the shit we do. You yeah, know? that's yes, that's exactly where I was going. Of like we we've done this for three ish years now, and like you know we get shit, and it's not like for me, it's not been like consequence free. I've definitely like had some rubber, but nothing dangerous or life changing, and it's. It's horrifying to think that in 2018, like literally if you put us in a different part of the world doing literally exactly this, it's, it's a death sentence. And that like, it, it's not even, it won't even sink in in my head because that is such a, like my biggest concern is that like my boss is going to listen to this and hear me say fuck a bunch of times. You know what I mean? And like probably won't be crazy about that. I I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't believe that this is still something we're we're living with. <sighs> anyway, I was going to say something stupid about um in parliament in the UK, Sir Christopher Chope held up a bill that would send um uh people who take upskirt shots. Okay. Um they could go to jail and everyone's like, "Yeah, this should be a law." And he was right. like, "No, let's talk about it more and what? delay it." I don't know. It was expected to pass. Parliamentary rules mean it only requires one MP to to shout object to man, so parla- he objected Parliament to an upskirt. Has this shit going ban. on? They just yell shit, and they're yeah. like, "Cool, law stopped." Wait, so he delayed the upskirt ban mm-hmm. vote? Did yeah, he- he's yet to speak about why he blocked the bill. But upskirting victim Gina Martin, who started the campaign for the new law, said he had told her that he objected to it, quote, on principle, because it wasn't debated. So essentially, however, parliamentary law works. But this is like his whole jam is like if something is everybody's like, yeah, this needs to go through. If it doesn't get debated, he'll just hold it up on principle because whatever, which I don't know. Maybe I could get behind that. But I did not learn all about parliamentary (laughs) law today as I was doing research for this podcast. Um, people are really fucking pissed about this. Um, George Freeman, who used to lead Theresa May's policy unit, said the move was, quote, an affront to parliamentary democracy. 
um, oh man, why did I think I could say British words? Uh, <laughs> Chetlinham, Chetlinham, MP. Uh, I don't know what it is. C H E L T E N H E M. Chetlinham. I'm sticking with it. Um, MP Alex Chalk said, Sir, oh, and he's a sir. Did I mention that part? I, we need to bring sirs over here. I'd love to be Dame Jessica. Sir Christopher has, quote, let us all down. Scottish conservative MP Paul Masterson, these are all members of his party, um, said the move did, quote, damage to the public's view of the party. Um, Liberal Democrat MP Wera Habaus, top shelf names <laughs> who brought out the private members who brought the private members bill to parliament also criticized the out of touch Tory for sabotaging it and conservative MP and the chair of the commons foreign select committee, Tom Tugganat, 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 Tug said it was shaming for his party quote. It's really objectionable that Christopher should have done this without even knowing what the bill was. I think it's disgraceful to block a law that's designed to protect people from having the most these intimate adorable cells. little problems where you <laughs> object upon. on principle. It's completely unacceptable. When, when we have politicians who won't block anything, even when it's just ridiculous. Like, they're not hey, blocking gonna... it on principle. They're letting it go because they don't disagree with it. Anyway, that's what's going on. UK never change. <laughs> I I just like that they People. yell a lot. I have you ever like watched Parliament in some Project? of those little it's clips? It's just so yeah. great. Just the shouting because it feels at least earnest. And you know that people in Britain like hate it and think like they think their government is dysfunctional. Yeah. And then we watch. Sorry, it's like, guys, we have a lock on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I have. Are you done I'm with your things? So I had this letter, um, and it's a little long. I'm going to try to summarize it some mon- so, uh, somewhat. It's pretty interesting, and I think that um, that it is probably a situation a lot of people find themselves in. Um, so, uh, Jessica Hammond, I'm writing on behalf of a great friend of mine who's not a listener but is an atheist. Um, she's recently married, has three stepchildren, 15, 12, and 6. So they live with her friend, who she's given the pseudonym Kate, and her husband full-time, um, and they visit their mother out of state a couple times a year. Um, their mother doesn't sound like the most savory ca- uh, character, but she um, she has since found religion um, after a sort of troubled past. So apparently whenever these kids go to visit this mother-in-law, they come back with um, the stories of indoctrination. So, um, and not just... So Jesus, if I have this right, you had... Uh, a dad and a mom, they're divorced. And when the kids go with the mom, they come back indoctrinated. It is the mother. I'm sorry. I thought it was mother-in-law. Right. It is the mother. So, and, and so they only have very limited access to, to their, to their mother. Yeah. Um, so they come back with, with sort of indoctrination stories, which aren't just like, Oh, do you know what Noah's Ark is? But, um, so they return from this summer's visit telling stories of, of her teaching the youngest to pray to heal, heal wounds and, and illness, such as the finger she broke when the door was actually shut on it. Um, she doesn't, the letter writer does not think that that injury ever received medical attention. They've been giving books like um, the awesome book of uh, Bible Answers for Kids, with which answers questions such as, quote, my friend doesn't go to church, what should I do? And what will happen to people who don't obey the Bible? The middle girl was also given vitamins because she was, quote, emotionally difficult. Um, and so her question is this, how do you suggest that, uh, this, the letter writer's friend and husband approach the conversation? So it's not even about what do you say to the, to the mother? 
How do you um, approach the conversation with the youngest two? And as a reminder, they are 12 and uh, 6. Um, I, had, I was thinking about this. I think there were two ways to kind of handle this. One is, look, you can't really stop the kids from going to their mother right. and getting indoctrinated by her or attempted indoctrination. Uh-huh. So you talk to the kids. They're old enough. Six? To basically six and the other one's older, right? Twelve. Twelve. To tell them basically, look, your mother believes this stuff. I'm not disparaging her. I'm not mm-hmm. disparaging the beliefs because that's opening a whole different can of worms. Mm-hmm. She believes this stuff. We, I don't. We don't as yeah. the other parents. Um, and make sure the kids hear your side of things too, because you can challenge it. You can question the stuff they're learning and say, well, where do you think? What do you think uh, happens if you make a mistake? Who's responsible? Like, how do you take responsibility yeah. if you make a mistake? That's one way to deal with it, is just to make sure they know this isn't what everyone believes. This is what your mother believes, and we don't. And guess what? That's okay. Right. You don't have to believe this stuff either, but you got to hear the different sides. That's one. I, and I think that's fair. My concern is, like, six is extremely... Extremely young, and there are definitely people who have spoken of their own sort of past kind of echoes of trauma, kind of of like having literally the fear of God put into mm-hmm. them of if you mess up, or you know, the thought and this is where it's aspect really, of it kind of where freaks it's me very out. helpful to have another parent who's saying, Well, I don't believe that stuff, and I'm okay, yeah, I'm not I going think to help. A summer is a long time. It is a long time. Especially for a kid that age. And the other thing to think about is, I don't know where the writer was from. I don't know where these parents are from. Yeah, but like, depending didn't. on the state, depending on the courts, this is where, I don't know what the situation is, but religion is usually one of those things you talk about when you get divorced with a judge. Oh, really? Where you talk about how are these kids going to be raised? And mm-hmm. this is something both parents have to agree on. And so I don't know if this is a thing you could talk to a judge about or a divorce lawyer yeah. about, but well, this is where you say, like, what the mother is doing is so far, like, above and beyond what she should be doing mm-hmm. because it wouldn't be okay to tell your kids, like, your mother's an idiot for believing in God, we're atheists, whatever. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't be okay either, especially if you're sharing, you know, well, custody. And I think the the other problem is that... Um, the she says her friend is afraid to push too hard in the subject because the mo- because it's a tricky situation. She's a stepmom, right. and they've been really contentious contentious in the past, and they're all finally on civil terms. So I think she wants to do this as gracefully as possible without kind of causing waves. But I don't know if that's an option, right? Right? Like this isn't this isn't like hey, you're feeding my kid meat. I would rather you not. Like that feels like something you could have a conversation about. Right. This is the thing you believe and are telling your children is wrong and I don't want them hearing that. I, yeah. I, and I wonder and if, I think, the, <clears throat> if dad can talk to the mom too. Yeah. Or if, if that's, is that something, is that a conversation they could have or no? Because maybe the answer is no. Maybe you can't talk to her about this stuff and it maybe that's why like, they got divorced. Who knows? But uh, somewhere along the line, it, you're right. It does go too far. You may be traumatizing those kids. So the options are make sure they're hearing alternative perspectives. Yeah. Or make or if it's going even further than that, then you got to get someone else involved and have someone else step in, whether it's a judge or a lawyer or whatever, because it, it's not right that one parent can just like 
traumatize slash dominate their kids thinking about this stuff to the point where it just overshadows what the other parent's doing. Right. Especially if it's just they have shared custody of these kids. Yeah, and, and I think the idea of saying these books that are not, these books that they're getting that are not just like, this is the Bible, and this is what, but it's, my friend doesn't go to church, what should I do? That, like, that's alarming because that, I don't know, it, I don't like any of it, but it's an, I don't know why we think we could give advice. I don't like it's an impossible <laughs> situation. I think, but I think you're right. I think open lines of communication with your kids would be the start of it, right? Like six is so young, but, yeah. but especially with the 12 year old, like people believe different things. Right. And 12 year old may be able to resist or fight back or say, wait, that or doesn't not even make any risk, sense. Resist, but just understand like some people believe this thing. She believes this. And I don't, I don't know. Talking to a six year old. I don't know if that would yeah, be, that might be harder. Yeah. Anyway, um, Hammond, what's your happy thing this week? Um, oh, you go first, I'm thinking. So uh, I have two things. What? Yeah. My shit doesn't things? suck for once. Oh. Uh, first of all, okay, I literally didn't say anything to anybody, but last night I went to um, a concert of two of the surviving monkeys, the 1960s <laughs> group. And it was, I went by myself because I've been a huge fan of the monkeys since I was in like junior high. And I like took myself on a little me date. I got sushi for dinner. I got a drink before the show. I went to the show by myself and it was so much fucking fun. The, okay, I need to be like, this is their, like, it's just after their 60th, or excuse me, their 50th anniversary of forming as a group. So these boys are in their 70s. And Hemet, A, the crowd is packed. B, standing ovation every every song. <laughs> every song. People are on their feet. It was so great. It was Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolenz. Mike Nesmith was... Like, Mike Nesmith is the reason I learned how to play guitar. Like, his song, Nine Times Blue, is my favorite favorite. And he sounds incredible. Like, <laughs> it was so... It was just, like, this treat for myself because I was unemployed slash underemployed for such a long time that I was like, wow, for the first time in a long time, I can afford to like just take myself out and it was excellent my other happy thing is it's star wars day (laughs) after this finally 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 we will post it as a bonus episode carved some time out of his busy schedule so we're (laughs) so heaven came over here at like five we recorded this my husband just walked in the door we're gonna order some pizza we're going to watch Star Wars, and then we're going to record another podcast. You will hear my reactions to seeing this movie. I'm very excited. I need to, to like. make sure we all have notebooks. We're to watching, take. what, episode nine? Yep, nine. You got it. Got it. Actually, nine is a real thing, I think, now. Yeah. No, it's not. Seven, eight. No, nine isn't a thing yet. Um, we're mm. going to be watching Star Wars episode four, mm-hmm. A New Hope, uh-huh. which came out in a year. Uh-huh. That I know, but I'm not going to tell. All right, I'll you tell you more about in. that. You yeah, have to tune in. So to that'll the bonus be a bonus episode, episode for Patreon supporters. Yeah, so um, so that anybody who's a Patreon donor can access it, and like you can pay a dollar a month, and you have access to this and a handful of other uh, bonus episodes that we um, you ask. It's starting. Mikey's so excited. I hope you can hear he's playing the Star Wars theme. He just marched through the house. Uh, (laughs) um, So, yeah, we're about to go downstairs and order some pizza and uh, and And do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I somehow lost my train of thought. I don't know why. Nobody interrupted me. Um, 
Um, But you can just donate a dollar a month to the Patreon and you have access to this and then um, my other kind of bonus series that I've been doing called Fables, um, which actually Mikey's and my episode should go up in the next couple. I know I keep pushing it off, but... We're going to post the Star Wars one, then we'll post the other ones. Yeah. But there'll be bonus episodes. If you're a Patreon, you'll hear all about it. Yeah, if you're on Patreon, you get early access to to our regular episodes, access to bonus episodes... Um, on certain levels, you get um, a cross stitch from me, a note from me and Hammond. You get a so shout out. So many things. Go do so it. So many things. How can you afford not to is my yes. question. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're donating to save the storks, in which case. Hammond, stop That's how they it. make the videos. I hate it. It explains it. All right. Um, email. Uh, if you have any questions that you want us to almost answer, you can email <laughs> us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to say some shit about Hammond and just want to email me, you can email me at fablespod <laughs> <laughs> at uh, at gmail.com uh, leave us a an iTunes review but don't say mean things because I read them all and I read them to my <laughs> husband and they yell um, five stars <clears throat> please um, follow me on Twitter uh, Blueberry B-L-U-E-B-O-R-E Hemant's at Hemant Meta yep that's it see you in a bye. couple hours bye <laughs>